Welcome to Inside the Writer's Cafe, the podcast for insiders. You'll hear intimate one-on-one conversations with authors. You'll learn their writing secrets, where their ideas come from, who inspires them. Plus, you get to hear what the author thinks as we explore their latest work. You'll find out how to catch up with your favorite author on social media. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, The human mind, once stretched to a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. Our guest today is going to stretch your mind in ways that you probably have never even thought about. His name is Andrew Hunter, and the name of his book is The Hood to Hell and Back. Andrew, welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, you started out, you went to private school, you had a great um, childhood, you grew up in Scotland. Our listeners are going to hear this wonderful Scottish accent of yours. You have a nickname that I think is very interesting, and I'm very curious about it. Your nickname is Quiet Strength. Where did that come from, and who gave that nickname to you, Andrew? That was actually a whistler friend. I was quite long down the tracks. I was I'd moved to Canada and I'd just become the manager of snowboard operations for Whistler. And for some reason one guy turned around and said, Quiet strength, that's the best way I can sum you up. And at the time I didn't really get it. I thought it was almost a conflict of two words. But now I really get it. Like, the people that have the most confidence in this world are the people that have the most humility. And that's where I'm coming from with the quiet strength. You don't have to be loud to be strong. As I said, humility is one of the greatest strengths any of us could have. Your book is extraordinarily powerful. And I know that one of the goals that you have for your book is to help people. And people in today's economy, today's world, there's so much negative going on in the world, and people are finding themselves in places they've never expected to find themselves. The food lines where people don't have enough food to feed their children. Businesses are closing that never imagined three months ago they would be closing. People are losing their jobs in industries that at the beginning of the year seemed impregnable. Your book is that kind of book. It sounds like it was ripped out of today's headlines because you have personally dealt with many of these dark places, and I'm using air quotes, that some of these other people find themselves in. Can you give me an overview of what the book is about? And then let's talk a little bit more about it. Uh, Based on pure fact is basically my family's journey through a whole bunch of different struggles. I think a lot of people find themselves today that everything is wrapped up in money. But when you actually really come down to it, health is wealth. And it's taken me so long to realize that. 
basically before I had, I was working very hard. I had a very, very good salary and everything just flew by and I had all the toys and, 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 but I really didn't feel like I was alive. I couldn't go down to the shore and just watch the waves come in or a seagull go above me. All this experience that I've got has actually grown me. I remember Muhammad Ali once said, a man who is 60, who thinks like they're 30, has wasted half his life. And I thought that was very profound. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. With all of the things that happened to you, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more in detail. How did this book come to be? At what point in your life did you look at yourself in the mirror and say Andrew let's write a book you know it wasn't actually me that thought about it I was actually quite good at writing way back in uh, my school days but I'd never written anything in my life before until I went through all these horrible experiences and I remember watching movies going you know what my experiences are not too dissimilar for the pursuit of happiness and there's a whole bunch of other books that i've read and it totally sums up the predicament the whole world is facing do we need to change the world or can we manipulate it in such a way that we can carry on i don't want to be political but with capitalism i think that is the biggest problem we are facing just now everything revolves around the market and money Somewhere we have to reinvent money. We have to change the way it's working because it's just not working for most of us. More and more people these days are going out the tailpipe of capitalism. And even capitalism has corruption, as we've seen left, right and centre since this thing went down. The human race really needs to take a long look in the mirror and go, we need to do something. This is wrong. The children, if you speak to children in the world, they will give you a better answer quite often than a politician will. I believe children are the future. I really, really do. If it was me, I would lower the voting age to 16 and get them involved. Like this girl Greta, for example, in the Green Movement. Absolutely tremendous. I used to read a comic called 2000 AD, and one of my favorite parts of that comic was children grew up and they took over the world. And I honestly believe that's a way we need to think about because all of us have gone into this very, very defined box and we don't know how to move around it because we haven't seen all the different parts of life. And you know what? I feel actually blessed. I wish I never went through the experience, don't get me wrong, but I feel blessed to actually have that knowledge now and maybe try and do something with it. These people that are hurting in dark places, they're just like you and me. They've just tripped over. You know, maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's you lose your house. But all these things, my story is not unique. The more I live and be with the homeless people, the more I realize that I'm just another person that has fallen. And one of the biggest things when you fall is drug addiction. And once you get into drug addiction, 
it's a slow but sure way to death. It really is, or life in the street. And yes, it's just as I said. I feel it absolutely pivotal just now that we do something about it. And yes, my book was written because of a psychiatrist that said, "Craig, you know what? You should try and write all this down because maybe it might give me some closure." They taught me this CBT technique that what you do is you put all the things that are bugging you into a box, you close the box, and you walk away, and you disassociate from it. And he said, you might try that with your book, and it might give you the same thing. So not only did it help me to write it, but hopefully it's written in a way that it can help people and not actually show them that they're not alone. Like, that was the problem when I felt. I really felt alone. And when you're alone, you don't have the power or anything. You just end up getting yourself into a vicious cycle of worry. Emotional pain is addiction. That's where you go to, to to ease the emotional pain. And I think a lot of people are actually teaching on the brink of either becoming bankrupt and or what their addiction is. It can really take over your life. You went through a physical injury, then you were diagnosed with a chronic condition. The chronic condition resulted in the addiction to drugs. You experienced homelessness. Your wife divorced you. I mean, this is one of those stories that you're, you're right. It's not unique. But it happened to you, and that makes it a unique story because it's your story. And I love it that you listened to a psychiatrist. What got you to pull yourself up and go to see a psychiatrist in the first place, Andrew? Uh, well, the big thing is when I went through all the difficult times and that, unfortunately, I was at a point when I went into the psych ward when my life was really bad, I was 87 pounds, no word of a lie, you could see every single rib in my body. My brain was so messed up that literally not one of the psychiatrists actually gave me a chance of regaining normal sanity. I still remember some of those insane memories, and it really does, I don't know, it somehow gives you a new meaning to life when you come through something like that, because realistically, straight up with you, if I didn't have my dog Cheyenne beside me, I would not be here today. That's God's honest truth. I read about Cheyenne. Tell me about what kind of dog is Cheyenne. Oh, Cheyenne's my baby. Cheyenne was, uh, I had her for 13 years. Unfortunately, I lost her a couple of years back, but she was the most adorable lassie collie you'd ever find in your entire life. Like, she was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, she was, she was like lassie, and she would walk down the street, and she knew she was good looking, (laughs) do you know what I mean? But she was just a lovely soul. She just... Like, once I re- like, I don't know, you can get a connection with an animal, I think, far deeper than you can get with a human being. I think speech almost sometimes ruins these things, and you don't pick up on the non-verbal cues that are so important when you're talking to somebody. And a dog, there's no better master of non-verbal communication than a dog. They sit and watch you all the time. They know exactly what you're thinking, 
I sometimes think before they think it. And as I said, without that that rock that was there, I wouldn't have made it through. I really would have given up. You know, you're not the first person that I've heard say how important an animal was to their healing and to be that supportive and so non-judgmental and just that presence, that calm, steady presence that's right there. People will say that about their dogs and their cats. No wonder we love them so much, right? Absolutely. And you know what? After being through all these things, I take 24 pills a day just to keep the PTSD down. The only reason I need to take that many pills is I don't have a dog anymore. If I had that dog, I wouldn't need to take as many chemicals as I do. And I honestly think anybody that... That's why you see homeless people with dogs. People don't realize that people say these people are terrible. Why would you ever put a dog through this? But they're not putting the dogs through them. It's a companionship that gets them through every rainy night that they're sitting there freezing all night long. Their dog is there. And even if it was just for warmth, again, the warmth and love that that dog gave me is something that stretched my mind. I'm sitting here shaking my head. I can I can just feel, you know, petting that dog and feeling that dog leaning against you. And one thing that I've, I've, I'm curious about, often when people write books, they learn something about themselves in the course of that writing, because writing is no small task, and it's not easy, and it makes us go to a place inside ourselves that perhaps we've never been before. Did you have any kind of experience like that? Did you come out on the other side of having written the book, learning something about yourself that you were surprised by? Very much so. The book, as I said in one of the last lines of the book, is if you ever get a chance, write a book about yourself, about your journey, because it is one of the most freeing things you can ever do. It's down there and it's a bit of paper, especially if you go and get the thing published. It's out there to the world, so it's actually quite a scary thing to do. But I remember, and I'm not that far away from homelessness just now as it is, but there were people on the street that helped me. And again, without their help, I don't know if I would still be here or not. No drama, just the truth. And I feel compelled that now I've been through it, I have to help other people because people help me and that's the way life goes. It shouldn't be a competition between people. It should be a collaboration. I really mean that. That's something that I really gained out of the book. And also, to be honest with you, a great strength in me that I didn't knew existed before. Like, when I got the top earner and best salesman and all that, they were good things to have, and they made a lot of money and all that, but I found a strength in myself that I've never had before. And I found writing the book, you can go back to, you know, you can think about a situation now and go, you know what, I've been through this already. Look up that chapter of the book, there you go. Again, we have to learn from life. That's what's so, so important. And unfortunately, with this COVID, a lot of the older people are dying and they're not getting a chance to pass on their wisdom to younger people. And it's just, as I said, there needs to be more connect between 
the whole generational side. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know that we have piqued the interest of anyone who is listening to us right now, and I'm sure that they're saying to themselves, where can I find Andrew's book? Let's tell them where they can find it, Andrew. Easiest way is if you go on the Internet and just press Google, and if you go The Hood Author House, who's the publisher, you will get there straight away. You'll get to the Author House uh, publishing site, and you can buy it off their website. I'll spell uh, everything so that they can make sure they have it right. The title is The Hood, H-O-O-D, To Hell and Back, yep. by Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R. And just go to Author House and put in Andrew Hunter, and the book will come up, right? Yes, or you can put in my pen name, Quiet Strength. Either or we'll find it. I always like for the author to be able to have the last word for the listener. If our listeners pick up a copy of the book, maybe I should say when they pick up a copy of the book, and they have metaphorically closed that back cover for the last time. I know people are reading on tablets and most people are not reading real books anymore, but the ending of the book to me means closing the back cover. When they do that, Andrew, what message, what bottom line, what thing do you want them to take away from the book? The greatest prize in the whole of life is love. Love, I'm not saying is all you need. Unfortunately, in this world, we do need more than that. But love, pure and simple, like I have for my dog or for my family or friends or anybody, that connection is so, so important. We're all humans. And as a result, we're not some kind of superior race. We're just another species. And we have to do something very soon also about the environmental crisis. Something needs to be done, and I think we're right on the precipice of something actually big happening. And I want people to go away with the knowledge that however hard or good their life was, it's all about experiences. Don't think about the toys in the garage. Think about the memories you have, because you will never, ever get them back again. You are so inspirational, and your book is so difficult and wonderful at the same time to read. Thank you so much, Andrew Hunter, for sharing your experiences with us and for being here on Inside the Writer's Cafe today. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, indeed. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Inside the Writer's Cafe podcast, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear our podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio. I'm Cheryl Nason. Remember, pick up a good book and read. We'll look for you next time here on Inside the Writer's Cafe. And thank you so much for listening. You never know who will be here. <laughs>